Welcome to episode 132 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name's Trent. This is Jason. And guess what? What? Bruce Kulik, formerly of KISS, is on this podcast. What? Just so you know. How did I not know about this? I sprung this on you in front of tens of people. Or how many people are listening? Holy shit. (laughs) Tens of people. At least we know where we're at, huh? No, no. I, I I was there. Just kidding. Right. I remember. It, I remember it well. It was a. It was an insane honor. Yes. A great honor. This man is currently in Grand Funk Railroad. He's been there for seventeen years now. Yes. Of course, we all know and love Grand Funk as well. Grand Funk Kiss. There's a long list. Union. We're both big fans of that band. He was. He played for with Michael Bolton for a while. He yeah. played with Billy Squire. He played with Meatloaf. This guy's. Resume is better than ninety percent or ninety nine percent of most musicians. That's right. I mean, uh, it was it was great to talk to him. Great stories, just a lot of knowledge. Um, definitely. I mean, I'm all ears when we do this, but I was really all ears. And um, you know, just another member of Kiss in the Kiss you know family tree. That yeah, one day we'll get them all. Hopefully, we now have twenty five percent of the living members of Kiss. Bam. Yeah, two of the eight. Yep. So I assume we'll get Vinnie Vincent before Eddie Trunk or anybody else does. Who knows? Right. Or, you know, supposedly he might be a woman now, too. Oh, that's cool. Remember that? Yeah. Hey, that's fine. You know, whatever you got to do. But we're going to get him on the podcast one day. We will. I like that you got 25% from two from the eight of, see, I don't think in those terms. I can't, it would take me like an hour to figure that out. So that was awesome that you could do that. I'm proud of you. Not only you just set yourself up for this joke. Bad. Not only are you a podcast genius, but you're great at math, which is something say, I'm not. If you're a math teacher, how could you not be great at math? I I just look like one. Okay, okay. I don't. I'm not one. There's a huge difference. Sorry, there's an a jo- inside joke that most people yeah, aren't going to get, and that's okay. Or did you you did say that's that funny. on the podcast last time? I don't know. Did I? I, I don't think even you remember. said you look like a math teacher after you shaved your beard. Well, I do, but you know that's all right. <laughs> it, it's it's coming back and. And so, you know, anyways, Bruce Kulick, he's the fucking man, and we got him on the show today. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about this here in a minute, but first, we want to play some music. This band is called Folsom. This song is called Cannibal. Check this out.
Folsom out of France. There's something, it's always nice when you hear something that's not typical, you know. And this is, I mean, what do you say? It's that it's ain't. covered in, it's got classic rock vibes, funk rock vibes, and then all of a sudden it just explodes into like, you know, what? I don't know. Yeah. If Johnny well, Cash was in the stoner rock, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, I just, uh, it, it, I I, th- I thought it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. This isn't anything we haven't heard before, you know? I mean, this this kind of style of rock has been around, but I don't know, it's just something that you don't hear that often. Or, you know, they're putting a different spin on something, and, you know, they 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 took that pick up and just switched it all the way to the neck and... You know, it, it's not overdriven when it kicks in. Um, it, I mean, it's not distorted. Excuse me, it's just a little overdriven, and they're rocking out, and it's just kind of it's kind of different, and it kind of shows. It, it, it's like it's real loose too. Yeah, it's like they they want it. You know, halfway into the song, they want to get heavy, and they do, but they don't want to do it like everybody else, and it just stands out more. And I think it, I, I just it worked, especially for where the beginning of the song came from. And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what instruments they played. I don't know what they look like. You sent me the link when you, sometimes when you send me these YouTube links, I just put the phone down and listen. Yeah. I don't want to look at nothing. Cause I don't, cause I think that, you know, that, that plays into your judgment and it shouldn't. <clears throat> and, uh, I thought the vocals were pretty cool. I thought, I thought sometimes, you know, in the, in the heavy part, um, it kind of sounded like old clutch, you know, like yeah. when back in the day when Neil Fallon kind of yelled a little bit and, you know, grrrred a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, this was just a great, uh, you know, amalgamation of sounds, if you will. <laughs> um, I've always wanted to go to France. I will someday. And this just kind of makes me want to go more, you know, if there's cool shit like this going on. Right. So that's my take for what it's worth. Well, on their Facebook page, they did say, of course, Folsom is a tribute to Johnny Cash. I, I, I and figured, yes, and that's can, great. You can hear that tiny bit in his vocals, you know, so. Yeah. Like you said, it's a mix of all these different styles, and when people pull that off, it's always great. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people try to do that, and it, you know, it sounds like uh, a cat getting their balls squashed on. <laughs> so, right. uh, that they didn't do that on this is really great definitely so check him out look him up on facebook folsom f-o-l-s-o-m so in a totally different subject whose side are you on chad kroger or Corey taylor <laughs> automatically Corey taylor automatically but then again you know i mean do i do that just because it's automatic that we don't like chad kroger that's exactly I mean, is, where you're is doing. that where we go to am i just programmed but i i, I don't here's the thing and i don't really care you could put any band in this situation. No, you can't. It, it doesn't matter that it was Nickelback. Um, you know, the, the from what we know, the interviewer brought up Stone Sour. Like, hey, you know, this is kind of diverse like Stone Sour. And to me, it didn't seem like that guy was trying to get um, Mr. Chad Nickelback to bag on Stone Sour. Mr. Chad Nickelback himself chose to bag on Stone Sour. So. And good for him. 
uh, I don't know. You know, See, I mean, you're always going to take that, you know, you're going to take the, 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 under the, whatever everyone else is going for, you're going to go against that trend. I understand that. That's one of the reasons you're one of my best friends and I like that about you. <laughs> but I'm just saying, hold, let me just get my thing out I, and not really my thing out, but I'm trying to get my you're point out. You're talking about Corey Taylor. You're like, let me get my thing out. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, you took it there. I didn't. It tells, <laughs> it tells more about you than it does about me, but that's a whole other episode. <laughs> but it's like, you know, he didn't have to go that route of just, you know, just immediate shit talk. So, and he did. And you know, and you know, Corey Taylor's going to come back with something. Right. And, you know, maybe, maybe Chad, what's his fuck? said that just because he knew Corey Taylor's kind of a, a mouthpiece. Right. And it would just drum up publicity for all this shit. Exactly, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, in, in Honestly, to be completely fucking honest with you, I don't care either way. Right. I don't give a fuck about Nickelback. And it's not just because, you know, it's popular to not give a fuck about Nickelback. I just really don't like them. But if somebody else likes them, that really doesn't bother me as much as it bothers some people. Really don't care about Stone Sour. I've heard maybe two or three Stone Sour songs in my whole life, and I was not enthralled. <laughs> um, I like Corey Taylor. I like people that are outspoken. I like people that do a lot of different things, you know. But you're not really ever going to find me, you know, sifting through the Slipknot and Stone Sour catalog you know, with a gigantic erection like a lot of fanboys. So, I don't know. I don't really care. I'll just go listen to some Anthrax or something. Right. So, that's what I think. What if Corey Taylor had become the singer of Anthrax? Oh, I know. God, where'd that come from? I just I didn't even think about that. And if that's the case, I'll just go listen to some Megadeth or something. <laughs> okay. Okay, then. There we go. Well, he didn't, thankfully. But, look, I like Corey Taylor. I've always liked Stone Sour, and I love Slipknot. And I've always loved the fact that this guy says shit all the time. And nine times out of ten, I agree with what he says. Mm -hmm. But over the past year or so, it's like every fucking thing he has an opinion on. And I'm like, that's great, but shut the fuck up. I'm tired of hearing about it. Yeah. You know, and I understand that's feeded by Blabbermouth or Loudwire or someone just picking up shit every time he does an interview. Yeah. And shoving it down your throat. So yeah. maybe that's not him, but it's to a point that I'm like... I want someone to say something about this guy, and it just sucks that when someone finally did, it's a guy that a lot of people hate, so they're automatically going to side with Corey Taylor whether they like him or not. Yeah. But, and the other thing with Nickelback is Chad Kroger, how, you know, they've been around almost 20 years, and they was, he's never said shit. He's never talked shit about anyone. Yeah, I know. And he has every right to run his mouth because people always running their mouth about him. Yeah. And he finally says something, and now it's like he's a bad guy. I'm like, sure, he could have done it better, but why? it's probably like you said. It's like, hey, this will get some publicity. It's a joke. And even though it's yeah. a joke, it's true. Stone yeah. Sour had one and a half hits 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have great I mean, songs. That's not a great, that's not the mark of a good band if you have a hit on the radio. Yeah. But I just, it's, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's two bands I'm not really thrilled about anyways. Yeah. I'm just like, eh, whatever. I'm just indifferent. I've always been indifferent towards Nickelback. I don't hate him. I don't like him. But I just think it's cool that over the last year or two, you'll see interviews with him and he's kind of, he's knocking on that, that fact, you know, people make fun of him and he plays it up. Well, which I, is good, you know, it's good. They can make fun of themselves and I, not take it seriously. That's right. I, knows well, that yeah, because they're laughing all the way to the bank. They're still I filling up arenas. Same, yeah. Here's the thing. I would. And I agree with you, you know, people, people like that, polarizing people that when they don't take it seriously, and I know they don't, the Nickelback, I don't know what song it's for, but they've got one of the best videos in the world. I know I told you about it. A guy at work that really loves Nickelback, you know, and we always fought about it, told me to go look up this video on YouTube. And I looked it up and it's, you know, these kids having a party and, you know, he, the guy told one of his buddies, hey, you handle the music. And so he came back with a van, and he opened the van, and there was all a Nickelback bound and gagged. And he was, like, leading them out there and forcing them to play. And the buddy that was throwing the party got pissed at him. He's like, that's the best you could do is Nickelback? <laughs> so that's awesome. I loved it. And I'm like, hey, at least they, at least they know. At least they, you know, they don't take themselves seriously. 
That's why they'll probably be around for another 20 years making music, whether we like it or not. Right. You know, I'm not going to go buy it, but I'm not going to knock it. So, you yeah. know, and, you know, did we just have a segment here where we were kind of pro Nickelback? Yeah, I think so. That's crazy. That's that, why I brought this up, just to see which way I could get you to go. The here. avenues we go down, <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe we should start talking about Bruce Kulick, because we both know we yeah, are 100% we on his yes. side. We love Bruce Kulick. So a couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to talk to Bruce Kulick for yes. a little while on Skype. So that's what we got coming here in a second. But yeah, let's just talk about this. Both of us, admittedly, <laughs> are huge fans of Revenge. Yes. And this is where we kind of got our introduction to him. I mean, I had heard, actually, the first, I think I told you that a while back, the first Kiss album that I ever bought as a kid was Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Yes. And he played on the two new songs on that, Let's Put the X in Sex, and You Make Me Rock Hard. And, there uh, you go. And you know what? And then he played, of course, on Hot in the Shade, but I got of that, course. you know, that yeah. came to me after, because I got into that and then Revenge and then started going backwards. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, let's put the X in sex. That might be a eighties corny kind of cliche ish type kind of thing. That just that phrase. But damn that's a good song. Oh yeah. I don't care what anyone says. You you can't stay still when that song's on. Exactly. Okay. Hashtag loves like a muscle and you make me want to That's right. And, and Bruce Kulick was on that track yeah. and it was amazing. Well not just that, the eighties stuff, Asylum, he was on Oh that. man. Yeah. Um what's the one I'm forgetting that? Between Asylum and Hot in the Shade. There's Crazy a, Nights? Yeah, he was on that. I mean, yeah, it's just... Uh, and then, uh, like you just said a minute ago, Revenge? Get the fuck out of here. One right. of the best records ever in the history of anything ever. You know? It's just... Yeah, hashtag all killer, no filler. And and that's what we're about <laughs> here at Thunder Underground. Okay? Right. But yeah, I mean, I could listen to that album a million times back then, still to this day carnival of souls he played on that and I actually listened to that recently because yes. we we have this thing <laughs> you know not to drum up harsh bad feelings here but we have this thing on our youtube channel called every album in a row we take an artist listen to their entire catalog and chronological chronological order from start to finish you know obviously on our own time and then we come together we talk about how the albums flow yeah and if you know how the how the band you know moves throughout time and if stuff like flows from album to album that kind of thing kiss you know has this massive catalog and we did it but i took forever doing it oh was that where the harsh feelings thing you're yeah, talking about oh, yeah. i know you finished it i like was before done, rock Alabama, i was like I in was, mid-may or something i was done like eight months ago people okay we didn't even start this thing oh eight yeah months ago. damn sorry i'm exaggerating the first one was earlier this year with metallica <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah we've got you know so if you're listening to this because you're a kiss fan with a good chance you are we have this thing coming soon, so be on the lookout for that. We're going to talk about every Kiss album, you know, like I said, including yes. Carnival of Souls and Psycho Circus and all the stuff that people like to talk crap on, but I've got some good things to say about all of them. Yes, me too. And, you know, we're talking Bruce Kulick, we're talking Kiss, obviously, but like you said earlier, let's not forget Union, Grand Funk Railroad. He's played with Billy Squire. Michael Bolton. Um, yes, Michael Bolton. There was a time where, way back, Michael Bolton did rock. Well, and even rock. after that, I think he played on a couple. He did studio guitar on a couple of those. Oh, he did? I think. Nice. So Don't well, quote me on that, I think. Well, so. just saying that, you know. Um, Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell? Yep. What the fuck? Bruce Kulick's, uh, you know, his work spans far and wide. And, uh, you know, he is to be lauded. And it was, uh, again, quite an honor to have him on the show. And he has some great solo albums. BK3, the yes, most recent BK3, one, is awesome. That was a good one, too. It's got Gene Simmons sings on a track. I know there's a couple other people on it. Off the top of my head, I'm forgetting, but it's great stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and of course, like we said, Union. If you've never checked them out and you're a fan of hard rock, this has Bruce and then it has John Karabi. Of course, that you've heard us talk about many times. Yes. Because I'm an admitted fanboy of that guy. It's got Brent Fitz, and then who am I forgetting? Jamie Hunting. Yeah. So you got these four guys that got together to form this group in the late 90s after Bruce was out of Kiss and John Crabby was out of Motley Crue. Yeah. And they made a couple great albums and a, and a live album as well. So check that stuff out. That song, Love I Don't Need It Anymore? Yeah. How badass is that song? It's one of the best love songs ever written. Anti-love right. songs again. 
John Crabby does a great acoustic version of that on his Unplug album from a few years ago, too. Gotta love it. And I saw him do it live <laughs> when he was doing that acoustic show. But anyway, let's get into this, Bruce. Well, before we do, let me tell you www.thethunderunderground.com, facebook.com backslash thethunderunderground. We're on every Monday night on WSNR 1027. That's, well, the website is 1027wsnr.com. SoundCloud.com backslash thunder-underground is where you can hear all these as well. So be sure and check out the previous episodes. Let's get into this. Bruce Kulik of Grand Funk Railroad. We gotta start with uh, this new song you did. If I could show you uh, with your wife, uh, you know it's a pretty good song. Uh, just talk about how that came about. Yeah, you know, um, actually, my wife Lisa, you know, I, I didn't know immediately when I met her that she can sing, but once you know we started to really uh, get serious and uh, I got to know more about her, I realized she really loved, uh, especially standards, and of course she loved rock and Kiss and. Pat Benatar and Hart and, and all, but, you know, she had a real love also for Judy Garland and the Rat Pack and people like that, but, uh, and actually, she kind of piqued my interest in all that, and we even used a little bit of, uh, of a jazzy standard that she sang for the wedding. Uh, we were just recorded it. She didn't, we didn't perform it. We did our first dance, and I always told her that it would be really nice. Uh, at some point, we should record something and maybe... Maybe it could be something um, more pop rock or whatever. And this song was actually uh, a version of it was used also at the wedding that we had in, in 2014 um, when she walked down the aisle because um, it has a very, you know, um, love sentiment and everything. And then, you know, uh, I don't know if you're aware, over Christmas we did a, a YouTube video of a Christmas song, um, uh, you know, and it actually went over very, very well. So originally we just thought we'd perform this in the living room like that, but obviously it really evolved into a full studio recording and um, with bass and drums, and it was a little bit of a drama because it went from something maybe innocent and simple to a full-blown thing. But this song actually started way back when I did BK3. It was one of the songs, a, a certain version of it, that I was um, interested in recording, and I actually cut some of it. And then it kept changing and evolving as as it didn't it didn't make it on the record because I chose some heavier songs um, for the record. If you know what I mean by heavier, just more hard rock. Yeah. And she always loved this one, so it it turned out to be something that was I think unique to us. It's hard to categorize it, but I'm just really happy with it. It's kind of funny that we're we're doing the interview right now, and I was just kind of. Uh, rehearsing it a little bit because we're going to perform it, you know, uh, in New York on the weekend. But uh, it's kind of funny whenever you have a studio recording and then suddenly relearning it, you know, and knowing what you did that day that you recorded it is, um, was just posing a little challenge to me. But I'm glad I, I gave it a good listen because obviously usually what you record you really like, but sometimes you forget all those, you know, intricate parts. So it's kind of cool, though, that I think we can pull it off with just an acoustic and her. And that's the goal here, you know, is just to play it real innocent like that. So you're just playing the one song, or is it a full show from the two? No, we we actually, um, I'm not sure how much time they'll be at the expo, to be honest, but um, we already in Indianapolis back in April played uh, Reason to Live, we did uh, Crazy Nights, and we did Every Time I Look at You. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. I mean, she had that range, you know, uh, because the 90s kids had the very high vocals, you know, and she's a female, so she's got it. And she loved those tracks. Um, and now we actually, we've been going over like Tears Are Falling and Who Wants to Be Lonely. And of course, this original, you know, if I could show you. So um, we'll see how it goes, how much time we have. We might be able to play, a, you know, like a full half hour, which would be good. 
Yeah. Are you guys uh, going to do anything else together? Any more songs? You know, eventually, yes. Mm-hmm. I just came off of uh, something I called the uh, my May Madness tour, where I didn't do one thing. I did many things. It started off in Tacoma, Washington, and then I went to Cancun, and then I went back to L.A., and then I went to Orlando, and then I went back home, and then I went to Australia. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of miles. Yeah. And then when I came back from Australia, I turned around and I went to Ohio. And I came home for a few more days, and I went back to Ohio. And I'm two days back from the second Ohio trip after all my name addicts together with me. So um, I haven't been able to put a lot of thought in it, into it. I mean, but yeah, I, I wanted to do some more with her. I love the fact that I play guitar with Grandma. I love the fact that people like sometimes just to have me perform to a backing track, you know, because I do a really good. I'll call it a clinic or whatever, but, you know, imagine I, I could actually perform to backing tracks of uh, some of the Revenge records, for example, mm-hmm. or my solo albums, you know, and I can just showcase me. Um, and then there are times I'm asked to just, you know, perform with a tribute band and, and you know, get them tight to your era and do things. So I see the, the opportunity to work with Lisa is just one more thing that, really I'm very proud of and I want to continue exploring you know uh, at the same time you know people ask when are you going to put out another soul record and I have to really think about that you know this now the way people share music and listen to music you can almost just offer up singles and then compile enough of them and sell an EP or something you know you don't have to do a full record because um, people are just like kind of since they stream a lot and listen on YouTube and things like that, it's more like one song rather than um, a full album the way we used to digest it, you know. But um, I do want to continue. It was exciting, obviously, this year to at least have something new out and the fact that uh, um, I'm featuring my wife. I'm keeping it all in the family, you know what I mean? And so far, the reaction's been great. And I'm excited about that. And outside of, I mean, she has a, a regular day job, you know, and I'm very proud of her for working. I know the company she works for loves, loves her, although it's not um, anything to do with music. Mm-hmm. But uh, I promised her, like, you know, I think we can work out like a working vacation, you know, where we can do something like. I, and I did this many, many years ago. I got offered to do some things in like the, the ski resorts of Switzerland, you know, where I was performing there. Uh, and that's like really amazing because it's God's, you know, creation up there, you know, as you can imagine. And uh, I said, like, wouldn't it be great if we could, like, perform in the Swiss Alps for a week and, and just hang out there, you know, and, and that would be fun. You know, so that's, that's something that, that, who knows, I do have the connections to that. So we'll see what, where, where, where this idea of us performing together takes us, you know. We'll see. <laughs> well, you kind of alluded to it, and it's been seven years since BK3. Is, there, is that something where you always have ideas floating around? when you're not working with Grand Funk and you're just on your own? Yeah, I mean, I have some really good riffs and some ideas for songs that I could, if I was going to focus um, clearly on, like, okay, I know I'm going to, you know, record X amount of songs, you know, and here's the goal. Because I have to admit, getting from point A to B, you know, and and committing and and moving forward with that, it it does take a lot of prep and and a certain commitment of time and, I can't even begin to tell you when you're, you're traveling and, and doing all the different kind of things. You know, everything equates to me playing guitar, so that's wonderful. But there's so many different elements of a grand funk gig and a, uh, a clinic or a recording with my wife or something. Uh, you know, that uh, or the, the, the touring in Australia, you know, that uh, takes me away from it. But uh, as soon as I put my mind to it, I think I can start realizing a... Uh, an end game, you know, for it. And I hate talking about something until I'm really, you know, really immersed in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept it quiet about the, the new song with Lisa because I was just trying to, you know, I really just, I wanted to see how it would go. And obviously if I was seriously starting to record for another solo record for me or even a new single from me, I would I would probably talk about it and, you know, explain to people that I'm doing it. I know one other piece of the equation with Lisa that I don't want to forget to mention is we, we always wanted to do a video for the song, too, and we took a lot of what they call B-roll in the studio, and we're going to um, do a little more of that 
and actually have a video for the song, um, but it won't be for another, you know, uh, month or so that, that I could say, you know, we'll have something ready to share. But we're looking forward to putting that out too, and that will. I, I know a lot of people would really enjoy that because I haven't done anything like that in a long time. So that would be good. Well, speaking of Grand Funk, I mean, you've been there now for 17 years, and this same lineup's been going that whole time, too. Has there ever been any talk about recording new music? You know, years ago, I remember um, Don talked about a DVD, and then and then we didn't talk about it. And the recording end of things, it's kind of funny. I remember Don and Mel always being very cynical of record companies and everything. And now when you think about it, they, they barely exist. You, you know that. Yeah. You know, everything is do it yourself. And um, I think for them, the, the show and the fact that we're keeping the, you know, legend of the band alive and that good time music out there, I think that that's more their priority. And we do a couple of new songs that, that uh, have nothing to do with Grand Funk in, in the set, but we don't, um, you know, any ideas of recording it and releasing it or doing anything it's really up to don and mel and i'm not so sure they have any any real desire to do it but um the most important thing is that we're real proud of you know playing together and we really do enjoy um you know wherever we play we had some couple of great weekends in ohio actually with really great crowds and i i love the fact that uh for 17 years, you know, this thing has been consistent like this, you know, 40, or about 40 gigs in a year. And they're just fly dates. It's not the uh, go on tour for three weeks, right? Um, but it can keep me busy, as you can tell, uh, throughout the year. There will be some quieter months, but most of the time we're, we're, we're doing something every month. And that, that keeps it, it, it keeps the... Uh, uh, the fingers loose, you know what I mean. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of fun, and it's hard for me to do, like for me to grab two weeks and go to Australia and, and, and do something like that. But when when I'm able to fit it in, I, I take the opportunity. It makes makes my travel schedule a little crazy, but uh, I, I think Don and Mel know I love also keeping that connection to my Kiss years. That that when I can grab that opportunity, and most of the time it's international, uh, I do it. You know, and uh, uh, they know that, that that's important for me. Yeah. What are a couple of your favorite uh, Grand Funk songs to play live? Well, you know, obviously, there's one that really showcases me a lot inside yeah. of Looking Out, because it's got a big guitar solo in it. I mean, I actually get the solo in every song. All right, some kind of wonderful, I'm just doing little riffs at the end. It doesn't have really a proper guitar solo. Yeah. But what a song, right? I mean, yeah. it doesn't need a guitar solo, you know. I mean, you know, Close to the Home doesn't really have a solo, but it has solo parts that are really important to the song. But the rest of them are my, I'm, I'm playing that, you know, because that, that's part of the, um, the DNA of Grand Funk. You know, and um, it's quite exciting that, um, you know, I'm featured quite a bit, you know, and, and I'm real proud of that. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm respectful of, you know, the songs of Mark's leads in the same way that I was respectful of Aces and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, uh, I certainly don't uh, feel like I didn't get to uh, express myself in a night of uh, grand funk music. So... Very, very um, wise of Don. I, when I wound up on the short list, I didn't know how it would fit, you know. But as soon as we got together, I was versatile enough for them. And they certainly did need somebody that would, would um, you know, play the leads, you know, and, 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 and have that um, spotlight. I also do um, the Star Spangled Banner every night. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So that's, that's kind of cool. And it's a little bit like the Kiss version, except uh, I'm by myself, you know. So, yeah, I got a chance earlier in the year to do that for, um, oh, actually it was late last year. It was right on Christmas week. I did it for the, uh, the Clippers here in L.A., the basketball team at Staples Center. That was quite thrilling. Nice. Well, we're just two years away from 50 years. I'm sure you guys don't have plans yet, but I'm sure there's going to be like a 50-year anniversary type thing going on, like you did with 45 years. Yeah, yeah. I wonder um, if, if you know if there's any. Uh, you know, I think the label still owns, um, you know, a lot of the product. You know what I'm saying? The the uh, 
the masters and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if capital or EMI or whoever it is now gets involved with some sort of special offerings. But, you know, what would happen from the band? I have no idea, really. You know, right. um, all I know is uh, I'm just really pleased that the work keeps coming in for us. And it seems like the band, uh, we keep uh, expanding our uh, opportunities for the gigs and the gigs keep getting better, you know, so it's, uh, it's quite accomplished accomplishment to be doing it all these years like that well i've got to ask this question because i'm a huge fan of the two union albums i know that questions like this are never say never but is there any chance you guys would ever get together to do shows or even music down the line yeah i have no um negative about that and all it would take is probably the right you know opportunity um, an offer from somebody on the business end of things to make it a reality. And then, of course, everybody's schedule working, you know. Um, Brent, for many years, Brent Fitz has been with Slash. Now, of course, Slash is back in Guns N' Roses. So he's kind of freelancing around. He's still doing really well. Um, but so he's a little more flexible than before, probably. Jamie, I know, uh, does lots of different things. And John, I guess, and I are the biggest wild card. John being so busy with the Dead Daisies, which has been a great gig for him, you know. And and John has toured by himself just with an acoustic guitar. He'll go off two months in Europe. I, I know that. I, I know what he does, and I'm very very proud of everybody because everyone has stayed, um, you know, professional and busy, and and has continued with their music. So. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm aware there's a, there's a, a, you know, people who are still support the band and, and enjoy the music and would love to see something happen. But uh, like I said, it's it's just about uh, the right opportunity and everything. And and who knows? You know, I mean, '98 would be when our first record came out, so maybe maybe so something should come should happen next year. Who knows? I mean, too soon for me to say. Though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, in my opinion. Everybody loves anniversary. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my opinion, during your time in Kiss was a lot of the the best live set lists. Did you ever have any say in picking the set list, or was that all Gene and Paul? You know, I you got to remember that um, for me, um, I wasn't super familiar in a in a deep catalog way with some of the older material. All right. So, like the first time it was presented to like, let's do I want you. Right. I was like, whoa, this is a cool song. This is like Kiss Meets Led Zeppelin ish kind of thing, you know? And I was really digging it. Same thing with a hundred thousand years. I was like, wow. You know, I might have heard it once or twice, but I didn't dig into it to really know like like how cool it was. Mm-hmm. Um and then I would, you know, kinda interpret it the best I could. Again, I never was given the kind of direction to copy ace note for note and to be the spaceman you know but um i i certainly was respectful of um the parts you know what i mean and and a lot of the lead playing but um i certainly uh didn't need to jump in and say hey why don't we do this i mean the catalog for kiss is so huge you know so like whenever they went deep uh it was fun you know songs like parasite and and uh you know, 100,000 years, for example, we didn't always do them watching you. We dragged that out. And then, of course, for Unplug, by then we were doing the convention tour. So we obviously knew uh, things like coming home and stuff like that. It was pretty cool that um, I got I got to play a lot of this, the catalog, especially when you add in the, uh, the last year when we did the conventions and then MTV Unplugged. Worldwide Europe, who would ever think I'd play that? You know? <laughs> yeah. But... Um, because we were doing acoustic, you know, see you tonight, you know what I mean? It was like, what? You know, this is cool. This is a Beatles meet kiss, you know. Uh, So, but I didn't need to really suggest things, I'll be honest. And I did leave it up to them. The only, you know, frustration, but a lot of bands go through this, and and it's silly to argue it, is when you do a new album, obviously you love the new album. That's your new baby, you know, that's your new child. And you want to kind of like, it'd be fun to like perform a lot of songs from it. And it was something that Kiss shied away from, to be honest. 
you know, um, where we would try a few, sometimes it'd be really aggressive and might come out of the gate with like three or four, and then the reaction is not really there, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it becomes two, and then it becomes <laughs> one, you know, yeah. you know, because you know if you go back to your catalog, you're not going to lose the crowd, you know. I'll never forget, I was a fan of Frank Zappa when I was young. And I went to a concert at uh, a college out in Long Island. And I didn't know one freaking song he played, okay? He didn't play one thing. Well, you know, Zappa's catalog was gigantic, and the guy was constantly writing and evolving and everything. And and, And it kind of bothered me. So I did understand how when certain bands... They'd love to play their new record, but sometimes the fans came because they're really expecting to hear some of the hits that they, um, you know, turn them on to the band. Well, um, speaking of Unplugged, uh, how how do you think some of that material in itself, and and was there anything that you didn't think did work? Oh, it was a challenge. Yeah. Uh, But I'm so proud of that record because, I mean, some people even say, oh, my God, your, your performance on I Still Love You. I mean, to play that solo without sustain, you know, like, like you know, in a whammy bar, which is what, you know, the Floyd Rose, and, and to still make it mean something, to play Domino, which had this aggressive revenge solo, you know, is just pretty, pretty wild that I, that I kind of was able to interpret it. So uh, I love that. I, I'm, that's one of my uh, proudest moments in Kiss is that we could, you know, kind of perform a lot of the things that you would expect on acoustic and at the same time we perform things that you'd never expect on acoustic yeah. and pull it off you know yeah. so you know and then of course you know the fact that the performance had the, uh, the big carrot which is the reunion you know what I mean and the fact that we were all played together you know it, it became like my really my last uh, high profile gig with them but um, it certainly was was a you know, a, a performance I'm very proud of. The whole thing is great. Like you mentioned, the conventions, and you do a lot of those. Have you ever ran into any crazy fans or anything? Because I know KISS has a lot of, you know, hardcore fans. Have you had any weird encounters? Well, I mean, anytime someone asks me to sign, you know, their skin and they're going to tattoo it, it's wacky to me, okay? <laughs> I, I'm extremely flattered. I mean, I had a really attractive blonde in uh, Australia, and I remember she already had, she got a tattoo of one of my guitars, the, the Black Explorer that's on the cover of Alive 3, uh, and the next thing I knew, I, I told her when she shared it with me on uh, online and said like, hey, you know, look at my tattoo, you know, I was like, wow, and I think she might have asked me for photos of the guitar before she did it, and I had some, you know, and then she did it. And I was like, oh, my God. But then to actually now sign next to the guitar. And then, you know, she, a few days later, she sent me the, the photo with the tattoo. Now, again, I wouldn't call that crazy, but that, that's, a, that's a, a real dedication to Kiss. And, and it's quite flattering, you know. There are some people who bring really interesting gifts, you know. And, and I have to admit, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a fan of certain things, too. And um, it's always hard to get into, inside someone's brain and realize what how they you know you know it just becomes really special to them to get an opportunity to meet you or maybe share something with you or give you a gift of something and even if it's a little odd it meant it means so much for them Mm -hmm. to give it to you you know so um i i i kind of enjoy that and i look at it more like the way i you know like i look at certain people that i admire so i don't get too you know weird about it you get what i mean yeah and and i'm actually always uh, fascinated with uh um what what you know what got them to that point you know so i i i engage in the conversation so it's interesting you know it certainly is it's not something that you know again i play guitar you know and I, i'm fortunate to be uh, a musician from a, you know with a career of known bands but but again what what you know, how someone reacts to that and then to the point of um, loving it so much and then wanting to tattoo their body, you know, with members of the band, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you know it's, it's, it's a very curious thing to me. It's a very, uh, it is flattering, but it is, 
it, it's, it's, it's hard to grasp sometimes. It just is. Yeah. I mean, but like I said, I have my I have my Beatle collection, and I love Beatles stuff, and uh, you know, I love Frank Sinatra lately, and I'm you know obsessing on buying every album he's ever put out, you know, kind of thing. So I, I get the collection thing and the fascination with an artist that 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 makes you feel good, you know. So I could I try to relate to it that way. Yeah. Well. Uh, Working with Bob Ezrin, who I've read is a, a pretty big taskmaster, as an established player that definitely knows what he's doing, is, is it hard to take directive or criticism, or do you just kind of use that? Well, you know, it's a great question. Like, how do you work with someone like that? Mm -hmm. and, and we did get, I heard a lot of, I know Gene and Paul walked into working with Bob with a little trepidation and all, because apparently Destroyer, he was amazing, and then The Elder, uh, they 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 weren't so sure that he, that anyone knew what was going on, no less him. So um, even though that's an interesting album, there's no doubt. And I wasn't there for that, so I I, I don't want to comment on the elder. Yeah. But the point is, I went in there thinking like, okay, first of all, we got a chance to cut God gave rock and roll with him, and that was before we committed to working on an entire revenge album with him. Um, and and he was in in his. His approach, his his uh, you know idea of the song and the vision was 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 really great, and that's why we went forward and worked on Revenge together. And yeah, he was like a mad professor at times, and he was always striving for for perfection. I mean, I've known a lot about him through the years now um, from from people that I know that have worked with him, and uh, I still keep in touch with him. Um, and I have always admired, you know, I know that he's super talent, and, but I also know he's opinionated and everything, and he has a vision, and um, fortunately, with everything with Revenge, we were all on the same page, you know, but, but just to give you the example of the craziness, I mean, I learned things from him in the studio, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, to me, that was like the Beatles working with George Martin, you have a guy that has a lot of... Um, you know, history in the studio and everything, and, you, 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 you know, I, I didn't have to challenge him, if anything, he challenged me, I know the Beatles challenged George Martin, but together they became like, like, they served each other and they broke all the rules, Bob already inherited some of that, so at one point I remember him distorting my guitar through a compressor, and I said to him, what are you doing, uh, I think that sounds terrible, you know, I had to tell him, because it did, it sounded all distorted and weird and everything, and he goes, Yes, but now listen to it in the track along with the other guitar that you did. And, and it sounded amazing. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, where did you learn that? You know, so you see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, one other occasion when he made me, we were working on a solo for, I'm not sure which song, it might have been even Domino, uh, but we worked it out and then we doubled it. And, and that's not that easy to do, you know. And then we tripled it, okay. And then we took a little break, you know, and then he came back and he listens to it and he goes, I hate it. And then he writes, so you see what I mean? So the last, like, three hours of work just were gone. Gone. But that was the right call. What happened after that was better, and it was a, a fresh approach. So, so you know, I, 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 I'm, you know, I've certainly learned a lot. And, and it's very, always very interesting. But, you know, being involved in anything creative, and um, I've been blessed that I know a lot of very talented people, and I've worked with some incredible talent. So, you know, it's, there's, there's that one part where you have to follow your instinct, and the other part where you just want to absorb everything like a sponge from the talented people around you because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you better. They're, they're all my, like, professors in life, you yeah. know. I remember Michael Bolton always saying something to me like, priorities, priorities, we need to do this first, you know. And I, I remember, always remembered him saying it, and I'm not shocked that he became, you know, wildly successful and still is successful. Yeah. Um, we didn't have that success together, but we did get a big record deal and we did some exciting things together. But, you know, again, I learned from him. Uh, he was always committed to um, being sure you're doing you know, the right thing at the right time, that's important, you know, so you can always learn from everybody. Billy Squire ran around the studio with a notebook, writing everything down meticulously as as he was, you know, creating his 
his album. Yeah. And, I, and from that point on, anytime I recorded, I had a notebook. You know what I mean? I wrote yeah. everything down. You know, so you learned from everybody, you know, how to, how to improve your, your, your craft. A couple months ago, we had Gene Simmons on the podcast, and we mentioned to him that they should do a revenge tour like they did the Creatures of the Night tour, and he claimed that will happen. So I know you don't want to speculate on anything, but if that did happen, is that something, what would your thoughts be on that? Oh, well, you know, I know that um, they're very proud of the record. Paul recently did a really big interview with Chris Jericho talking all about revenge. Regarding how they would do a performance of it or anything like that, I have no clue what he's talking about. But um, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, I know it's it's an album that they uh, are very proud of. And um, I, I worked my ass off on it. And it's something that, um, you know, I, I think in any way they can explore it in the future, with or without me, I welcome you know, and obviously I'd love to be involved, but I'm not the guitarist of Kiss now, you know, that's Tommy Thayer, so, and I'm a good friend with Tommy, so, uh, so, but I'm not really sure what he meant by that, to be honest, but I think it's great that everybody's talking about um, my, my era, like, like in, in Europe, they just released uh, Kiss World, it's another compilation from the record company, but it opens up with Crazy Nights, you know, yeah. that's great, yeah. it's got Tears of Falling on it. It's got God gave rock and roll to you on it. I was like, whoa, finally. You know what I mean? A little. No, but those were all hits. You know, those, yeah. those are popular songs. They probably could have chosen a few more from my era, but for a greatest hits package, when um, the current Kiss doesn't do much of my era, uh, I think that that's really awesome. Um, and and that's, that's the amazing thing about Kiss is that they can go on um, doing mostly a set of, of the classic material and some of the albums that they put out, you know, uh, in, the, in the more recent years. Uh, but all those, you know, fans, the, those huge crowds that they draw, uh, there's younger and younger people and they're fascinated with the band and they get to see the vibe of what KISS represents and how it's always just the greatest rock show on earth kind of thing. And next thing you know, they're looking it up. And looking at the catalog, and next thing you know, they're looking at YouTube videos, and they're going like, who's that guy? Oh, wow, ooh, I like this song. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I, I meet young people that are just totally freaked out to meet me and get my autograph and take a picture with me, and that's unbelievable. And without them continuing and being out there and keeping the, the flame alive, you know, I think that, that it goes hand in hand with, uh, they don't have to, you know, like, kind of like be focusing on my ear at all. The, the, the thing is that they're keeping um, Kiss in the limelight, you know, and that, and that some, some of that light is, is always shined on me and my era, and I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. Well, you will not be forgotten. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Sounds like a title. There you go. <laughs> well, you mentioned Billy Squire, and when you worked on Tell the Tape, that was before his career really took off and I've heard guys like Eddie Trunk talk about how you could kind of see early on that this guy was destined to blow up whenever you were yep. when you were working with him did you get that feeling or did you see that coming as well I was a huge fan I really was flattered to get the uh, you, you know opportunity to record on that record and I had a little bit of a conflict with Michael Bolton and Blackjack and our second record and that's why I couldn't tour with him then but it's very ironic that he did want me to go on tour with him because I played all, I played rhythm guitar on all the tracks with him and played some solos. Um, and I, I, I was very impressed with Billy, and that's what, when I mentioned earlier how I saw how, how smart he was in the studio and how meticulous he was as a, as a, you know, as a songwriter and thinking as a producer. And um, I'm not surprised he took off. But the irony of if I would have stuck with him and I didn't, stay loyal to Michael Bolton and, and the Blackjack thing is, I'm not so sure I would have gotten the opportunity to play with Kiss. Yeah. So that was an interesting <laughs> twist in my life, you know, that I I kind of felt, believe me, when his next record came out and he sold like, you know, triple platinum and stuff and headline tours, I was like sitting at home going, what did I do? Oh my God. You know, but then, you know, at the same time, that's when I got the, uh, the opportunity to work with Kiss and, and that door opened. So, and that and that was uh, 
12 years, who knew? Yeah, yeah. On a completely different note, you've been a part of a lot of those cover songs on tribute albums and stuff like that. And I know a lot of those are probably done, you know, piece by piece with guys in different parts of the country or world. But like, are any of those stand out to you as being your favorite that you worked on or any of the guys you worked with? You're saying the other people? Uh, or the cover stuff? Yeah, just any of you know any of the specific songs that might have stood out by who you worked with on them or how you know, they turned out. Um, you know, one of the first tribute things I did was that Queen song, Save Me. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, I must have cut that. I could have cut that 20 years ago, I swear. Because I remember going and supporting it with Rudy Sarzo. We went to Spain to do like a uh, record release thing at Virgin. It was really exciting. I remember they had these pretty girls handing out condoms there at the Virgin <laughs> store. It was a little odd, I don't know, you know. But anyway, um, you know, uh, you know, I got to say that uh, that track stands out. The uh, the sad but true Metallica cover that Eric Singer is on also that's gotten a lot of hits. Ironically, the Christmas song with Joe Lynn Turner, a lot of people really love. Um, yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit of that tribute stuff. I I, I don't wince at any of it, you know, but um, there's, my brother used to do a lot of them years ago when there was this label, couple labels that was very interested in, in, in uh, you know, funding those, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind, I think probably one of the last ones I did was the, the Randy Rhodes troupe, you know, and I'm glad the song that they gave me was uh, much more, kind of, more, almost more kiss-like. It was an early quiet riot song, you know. That was kind of like a shredder, you know, very good time rock and roll kind of thing. So, um, but, you know, I'm, I, I did all that stuff, you know. I mean, I'm a big fan of all the bands that I wound up doing a tribute thing. I know, I know I did with uh, Karabi, I did Hot the Teacher, a Van Halen thing. Eddie's one of my big heroes, too, you know, so they're fun to do. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate your time and spending 30 minutes with us here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Hey, it was almost 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> almost almost 37, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. And, and let me ask you, you're wearing an Oklahoma shirt, so is that where you're near? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're in Tulsa. Tulsa? Okay. Yeah. I know, Grand Funk, we have something on the schedule in Oklahoma this year, so look it up. Oh, we will. We'll Just do. Go to, go to GrandFunkRailroad.com and click on tour. There's, there's definitely a link to the gig but uh all right well uh, great chatting with you guys and uh, i hope everything goes well with uh your future interviews that you you get all the stars you want okay <laughs> thank you, you very much it. <laughs> all right take care man all right bye-bye. all right bye-bye there you go bruce Kulik. thank you very much to him for taking the time out of his day to talk to us there for quite a while it was like 40 minutes very cool quite an honor i know you feel the same way oh man i mean i just uh yeah i mean it was hard not to fanboy out, but you know, you, you got a job to do, so you got to do it. <laughs> but no, it was it was super cool, and Bruce is super cool, and uh, you know, uh, just uh, another great one, another one for the books. Yeah, Grand Funk Railroad. I mean, these guys. It's been this lineup that they have right now the whole time he's been there for the yeah. past seventeen years. That's great. They're playing Frontier City in Oklahoma City on July 29th. Nice. So if you're in Oklahoma area, get out there. I mean, I can't remember. Grand Funk coming around here in my adult life in Oklahoma. I yeah, I don't know. I, don't I feel like so. they might have came, you know, way back when we were younger. But yeah, probably. Since he's been in the band, I could be wrong. I just don't remember it happening. But anyway, so there you go, July 29th. And he still does these Kiss conventions. He kind of alluded to that. You know, he still embraces the Kiss stuff. Yes. You know, Kiss fans all over, diehards want to talk to this guy because he's a big part of their history, you know. For Very big part. 12 years. And we didn't even kind of talk about, I mean, we did on the interview. But I know you're a massive fan of Unplugged. And oh, this man. Guy I mean, was the big part and that of that. That was one know? question I, I love to ask. I think out of all the Unplugs that ever happened back then, that was one of the best. I mean, and, and it's just weird because right off the bat, you wouldn't think so. But so many of those Kiss songs, newest, oldest, whatever, they really lend themselves uh, to an acoustic arena in such a great way. A way I didn't think possible. I mean, listen, listen to "Coming Home" from Unplugged. Yeah. I mean, listen to that. That is, that, that's just that's one of the the greatest live recordings ever put down on tape. 
I mean, that was so freaking awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I loved the whole, that was probably one of my favorite unplugs ever. So there you go. Definitely. Well, yeah, like we said earlier, if you like Bruce Kulick and you like Kiss, check out an episode we had with a guy named Gene Simmons. Yes, we had Gene Simmons on the show. This was before he tried to patent the uh, slash devil horn slash I love you thing. Yes. and uh, We're not going to get into that because not, I'm, I'm going to piss off some people because yeah. I'm 112% on Gene Simmons' side. <laughs> so F you all. I am not, but hey, whatever. <laughs> that, that's another. That's a whole other like forty-five minute conversation. Yeah, we could get into it, but now nah, let's save it. Let's save it for CJ of Grind. See what he thinks. Cause yes, he that's kiss. a great one, and yeah, that's gonna happen. That's coming soon. So in our coming soon file, we've got Grind <laughs> coming up. Yes, their return to do. the podcast. It's been over a year. They've got new music. We'll be debuting as well. So look for that in the next week or so. Recording that one actually here in just a bit. So yes. be on the lookout for that. We've also got one recorded with Doc Coyle. We're, we're going to have to go on a Coors Light run for those guys. Holy shit. Are they big Coors Light fans? Remember, they brought Coors oh, Light. Oh, that's what Del We had. might that's have right. to do that. They probably <laughs> like hams. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. And we got some PBR left over from the party the other night. That's true. Who brought that? I don't know. It ended up in my cooler. That so fuck mine. it. Oh, it was? Seth, I brought it to Seth, gotcha. and he doesn't like PBR, so he bought it, brought it back and threw it in the cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I would have known that had I not been too fuck hammered to fucking pay attention to what was going on. There you go. Anyways, back <laughs> on track. Where were we? I'm sorry. Doc Coyle. Yes. We have an episode recorded with Doc Coyle. He's currently in a band called Vegas Nerve and also in a band called Bad Wolves. And if that name Bad Wolves sounds familiar, it's because their vocalist is filling in for Five Finger Death Punch right now. He is also part of God Forbid. You know, they were together for like... What, 15, 17 years? Yeah. Just split up a few years ago. Great band. We were both big fans of. He's done fill-in work for Darkest Hour, Lamb of God. This guy, I phenomenal saw him guitarist. Lamb of God. He did. Twice. And we talk about that. Yeah. 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 So be on the lookout for that coming soon if you love metal. What else we got? 3D Interface if you love... That's coming. If you love 80s style hard rock. These guys making their return to the podcast. We'll get that one coming soon. Yeah. Like I said, Grind... Some other great stuff in the works, so That's be right. on the lookout for all this stuff. Definitely. Uh, go back in our catalog. Uh, we've had some great guests. Um, Child Bite, uh, Great White, Saving Abel, uh, Custom Black, you know. Bullet Boys, Seven Dust, Avatar, Drowning Pool, Corrosion Conformity, Battle Cross, Overkill, Act of Defiance, Megadeth. Megadeth. He is legend, uh, obsessed, spirit caravan, crowbar. Yes. Uh, overkill, Europe. Uh, we, we've had, we've had, uh, Shine Down, Shine Down, Shooter Jennings, Ian Moore. Uh, you know, we've had some, we've had some stuff. We've had some stuff on this show, and you guys should go check it out. Yeah. That's soundcloud.com backslash thunderdash underground. 131 other episodes you can go check out. Every Monday night, 7 p.m. Central, 1027WSNR.com. We're also on YouTube at The Thunder Underground. We're on Twitter, THNDR, UNDR Ground, and Instagram at The Thunder Underground. This coming, Friday, or this coming Saturday, July 1st, don't forget if you're in the Tulsa area to check out Machine in the Mountain, Severmind, and Alter Blood at the Shrine. That's right. They're opening up for OTEP. I guess I'll throw that oh, part into yeah, it. Yeah, OTEP. Yeah. <laughs> Then the next week, Friday, Wednesday 13, is rocking out at the Vanguard, former member of the Murder Dolls. That's right. That should be kick-ass. And why? Because Fist of Rage is opening up. That's right. Fist of fucking Rage. Yeah. This Thursday, I'm going to see Romstein you are. in Dallas. And speaking of Fist of Rage, Josh, the drummer, will be there as well. Nice. You, you, guys, should, you guys should get together and, and, and like That's what he already told me, reenact so some of those German Scheiser fucking scenes that they do in the show. No, don't say that on here because that's something he will want to do. That's exactly why I okay. said it. Okay, you're 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 in trouble. Right? <laughs> yeah. C consider consider yourself violated. Right. Well, then that weekend as well, Megadeth and Meshuga out at the Zoo Amp. The Tesseract, next night, all that shit. Yeah. Crowbot at Thunder Alley. So if you're in the area, check all that stuff out. It's gonna kick ass. I, I don't know that I'll be in any of them because I'm gonna be floating in the middle of a river. That's true. You know. Drunk with no shirt on, 
blubber and chest hair everywhere. Yes. You know, but you know what? That doesn't matter because I'll be having a great time. Of course. You know, sometimes sometimes you got to just go relax. You know, give the shows a break. Go relax. Get comatose on some barley and hops and float around in a river. Yeah. You know, with crumbs from my sandwich all over me. (laughs) Why not? Hashtag chest crumbs. Bam. Dude, that's it. That's going to be a thing now. We're going to make it happen. We'll start it. Use it. All Hashtag right. chest crumbs. Thanks, Trent. Hell yeah. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.